evolve erotic thriller, become a non-cancelable erotic thriller that everybody can <laughs> enjoy, become a four-quadrant erotic thriller that families can go to enjoy. That's what we need to do. Tom. Families? I'm joking. Don't go the you might be room. comfortable watching erotic thrillers on the trampoline with your children, but I don't think that's the norm. You edit that out. Yeah, Gabe, I noticed you didn't uh, tell that story to the fans. Uh, can we edit that sector I out? That I didn't just say family. <laughs> okay, that's you said it. That's your honest opinion. We ain't editing it out. I didn't. I, sometimes I don't think before I speak. <laughs> it's, and it gets me into a lot of trouble. Hey, kids, come on it. in. We're watching Basic Instinct with the whole family. He's <laughs> about to be interrogated. <laughs> in fact, I wish I could take back that whole minute of things that I said. <laughs> come on, kids. Well, this I think is we all I, know that you're joking. I was just teasing you back. This is where Michael Douglas has an affair with his wife. This yes. Is <laughs> <laughs> On the left, you can see Sharon Stone's boobs. Yeah, sure. oh, Mike, Michael Douglas is back in this one, kids. I know. He's in a lot of them. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, those are my closing thoughts. And as uh, Gabe talked about, you know, they're family friendly. You know, you get the whole family around, bring the kids in, get the popcorn, get the butter, get the coke. <laughs> basic instinct. Hey, kids. Oh, yeah. That's where Sharon Stone's riding her boyfriend. He's an agent rocker. He's all coked up. Yeah. Oh, he's dead now. She stabbed him a hundred times. Oh, kids, don't close your eyes. This is family friendly, I swear. So, I think that's what we're all going to do over the weekend. Gabe, I'll come over and we'll have a family-friendly time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The Movie Buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back. Before we get started tonight, I wanted to shout out filmmaker Andrew J.D. Robinson, who made the solid 2020 film, We Are the Missing. And here on Real Talk, we interviewed both the lead actors from the film, including Mesa Hore, who's become a great friend of the show. Anyway, during quarantine, Andrew has been making a few short films and sent one to Real Talk he's particularly proud of called Confessions of a Haunting. It's only three minutes long, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And we're going to link that in the show notes for this episode and just advertise it on our social media page. So just want to say, be sure to check that out. And again, that's director and filmmaker Andrew J.D. Robinson. Okay, so I know everyone thought that after our Silence of the Lambs episode and specifically the debate we had that we'd be done. We This show would officially finally get canceled but I found out that you actually have to be somebody noteworthy to get canceled, and we are certainly not that. So we're still here. Uh, I think we're actually considered the cockroaches of the movie podcasting world. Like, you can nuke our podcast, whatever. We're, we're just still here. We're going to keep coming back. 
We've got a very interesting episode for you tonight. The episode was supposed to be my turn, but T-Man stole my pick, and we're going to be taking our listeners into the hot, sleazy world of erotic thrillers. And I think you're going to get great enjoyment out of listening to us try to navigate the fine line between tasteful and being perverts. So to help with that, I've brought along some reinforcement, but before I introduce our very special guest, let me bring in the old trustworthy co-hosts here. And first, let me start with the movie buddy who's on the eve of his birthday, and we actually want to give a very special shout out to the movie buddy for his birthday tomorrow. And T-Man is actually prepared to lead us in a song to kick off the celebration, so T-Man, take it away. Oh, was I supposed to write a song, or (laughs) you didn't tell me this? I just thought you knew. I thought you knew we were going to be, like, singing the game. This is so sweet. Y'all just want me to start in on a happy birthday, because I can lead. (laughs) Yeah, well, most of my songs are more, like, uh, they're more private between Gabe and I. Oh, okay. A lot of whispering, like sweet nothing. Yeah, that'll be nice. I can't wait for that. Will you do it after the episode? Yeah, I'll go on mute. I'll do it during the episode. (laughs) (laughs) So, movie buddy, I don't think you have to pretend for the audience. You seemed a little baffled when T-Man first came up with this pick to do erotic thrillers. Like, what in the heck are we doing? So, being an inexperienced erotic thriller kind of guy, have you been doing anything special to prepare for this episode? Uh, gosh, um, yeah, I uh, I was forced to watch erotic thrillers. So for the last, like I told everybody, for the last thirty six hours, that's what I've been doing. I've been watching erotic thrillers, and it has taken me to a weird place. Like preparation wise, like I've read all about Michael Douglas's love life um, because I, he's apparently in every erotic thriller. And last night, after watching Basic Instinct and and Fatal Attraction, I found myself secretly attracted to him. So I've been researching him, stalking him. I, I think he's starting to like me as well. Um, <laughs> well, it's not a secret anymore since you just told our 10 listeners. Yes. But, I mean, guys, these movies are um, interesting. And I, I was going to do the thing where I, like T-Man, where I uh, say that it reminds me of my childhood. But I, I'm afraid to do that with this grouping of movies because I'm married and I have kids and they may have listened to this one day. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, let's bring in double dipping T man who likes to double dip on his, on his episodes. Uh, again, this was kind of his choice for an episode. So we've heard gate, what Gabe's been doing as a connoisseur of erotic thrillers, shall we say, um, you know, T-Man is the expert level erotic thriller watcher. Yes. You know, what have you been doing to prepare for this episode? Now, thank you so much, Wes. Great introduction. You know, I just want to say, you know, I've taken it to another level. You know, it's not that I just watch erotic thrillers anymore. Because I've watched them a long time. I live erotic thrillers these <laughs> days. So I, I've got a trench coat out. I go in the, you know... The steamy uh, meat district of Nashville, Tennessee, with fog coming out of the vents. I've got binoculars. I'm looking at people. I'm trying to see are people getting murdered in their apartments? Are there affairs going on? Um, I'm knocking on doors, seeing if I can come in and just uh, watch, just from a purely scientific standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> so you're that's basically stalker esque tendencies. This is no, Gabe. Gabe, no. First, no. This is research. <laughs> 
I'm a podcaster. I'm learning about people's lives for this episode. It's not for enjoyment for me. No, I get no enjoyment out of this. It's purely <laughs> for research. I, I promise you. So what do you do? Just walk into somebody's house. Hey, I see you're about to go into the bedroom. Can I come in and see well, what's going to happen? I've got to. No, no. Have you not watched these erotic thrillers? <laughs> you've got to be standing outside first. You've got to have your binoculars on. You've got to be looking into the windows at first. Usually it's got to be really, it's raining usually. Can't see a whole lot. Very, you know, abstract views. And then you try to go in and see what's going on. <laughs> gotcha. So you go in sopping wet into people's mm-hmm. homes. You park yourself in the corner. And you might maybe threaten the guy or threaten somebody a little bit. So there, there is the crime part. And then what happens? Well, <laughs> I mean, like I said, this is purely for research. So I'm not really participating in anything. I'm just watching. And that's part of the erotic thriller, too. There's a subgenre of the erotic thriller. There's so many subgenres, first of all. But one of them is the voyeur. One of them is the watcher. You know, so like I said, I'm doing that stuff, but purely, trust me, everybody, especially from an audience, purely for a scientific for this episode. I promise you all. Oh, we we believe you. I mean, I, I know you would never cross the line intentionally. I no. don't believe But it. as you all know, with erotic thrillers, the line, they can't control themselves. That's part of it. They can never control themselves. They think they can, and then just their urges, their primal urges gets out of hand. Anyway, <laughs> much more to talk about in this episode. Well, I think that's a that's a great transition to bring in our special guest. <laughs> and a returning guest at that, she is the host of a truly excellent, well-thought-out podcast called Strikes My Fancy which is basically the female version of the Joe Rogan experience, which is meant truly to be the utmost compliment. She joined us for our very (laughs) first Guilty Pleasures series episode where we talk Spider-Man 3, which is our number four most popular episode, according to the downloads. So also, we're currently on the eve of the eve of Kayla's birthday. She'll be celebrating her <laughs> birthday in a couple of days. So, T-Man, take it away. What song did you prepare for Kayla's birthday? <laughs> Man, this is the same issue I have. I, I'll, I'll text Kayla, I promise you. I'll, I'll call you. you. Now, remember, she has a husband, so we can't do the same yeah, type of birthday wanna, song you're going to you do You don't want to text or call. What you're going to want to do is you know, just creep into their house like you have been for erotic thrillers. <laughs> Uh, no, no, a friend. I only do that to strangers. That's the whole thing about erotic thrillers. They're strangers. You know, I'll, if yeah. I if I creeped into someone's house during an erotic thriller, it would only be to turn on a damn light because they're so dark you can't see anything. That, that would be useful. But they save a lot of money with no electricity in these movies. <laughs> it's true. So true. Well, Kayla, welcome back to Real Talk. How's things going tonight? Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, things are going really well. I'm just plugging along with my show. I released some t-shirt designs that I'm really proud of and just keep rolling with it. Kind of like you guys, you know, you try to stop me out. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> well, uh, us are usually people who uh, who are more cultured, who are with the times that uh, are trying to make sure that we get canceled. But again, oh. you got to be somebody first. We're not. So we're good. We're good. <laughs> And you've dealt with us before, and you know the weirdness that you're in for and that you've seen so far, but yet you've agreed to come back for a second time. Does and this for an erotic you? thriller episode. What is that's wrong what I was with getting me? Ready, that's, that's what I was getting ready to say. You sat through two hours of us talking before, <laughs> talking about Spider-Man 3, 
and talking about emo Toby, Toby, whatever his last name is. And you came Toby back Keith. on the, Toby Keith. Yeah, that's Toby right. Toby McGuire. Love, Toby. love you, Toby Keith. <laughs> and you came back on for erotic thrillers. What? Why did you do for, this? Well, I'm coming back for a third time because when that Spidey three-way thing comes out, we got to talk about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we are talking er- erotic thrillers, and you're talking about Spider-Man three-way. What? Well, let's. I think <laughs> the audience is getting confused. Yeah. This is getting off the real fast. Kayla's probably thinking, like, man, these guys, are they ever going to invite me for, like, a legit episode? <laughs> Spider-Man, <laughs> erotic thrillers, like, what is going on here? Kayla, these are the best episodes, though, so this, you should, this, is, honor. this is an honor. No, I'm very excited to talk about this, because, you know, besides just being like, oh, boobs, butts, like, there was actually some underlying things that needed to be discussed, so I'm excited to bring some light to that. Well, does this mean, since you've come back again for a second time and you're putting up with us, have we struck your fancy? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. That's good. (laughs) I was going to give her a podcast a quick shout out. I listened to the Christmas story episode about eating the peppers and then getting really drunk. (laughs) I absolutely loved that. It was a, a hilarious episode. And I've been listening to your new conspiracy theory episodes. And they are all spectacular. So Real Talk Thank community, you. go check them out. If you want to know if Elvis is dead or alive, they'll tell you. If Hitler's dead <laughs> or alive, they'll tell you that as well. And you will learn some really important things about not eating spicy food before drinking. Very true. Yeah, I try to touch on the sexy, the spooky, and the scientific. So we're just making our way around all of them. A little bit for everybody. Well, I've got to know when we reached out to invite you back on the show and was like, you know, you're like, well, you know, what's the subject? And we we're like erotic thrillers. What in the heck were you thinking? I've actually never seen one until I watched the one that I did for this episode. I'd heard of them. Um, but I, I, I mean, I was born in 1990. So by the time these kind of fizzled out, I wasn't even of age. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I had to go do my research and I mean, I was up for it. You know, I I love films. I love movies and I'm not afraid to talk about this kind of stuff. So I felt like I was the perfect person for this. Oh, we agree. I mean, the idea behind it, honestly, is we thought this would be kind of a fun, risque episode. And we wanted to make sure that we had a good female voice on here and perspective to tackle this material. Obviously, you know, you can, you can keep us straight. Uh, without you tonight, I would be very concerned about <laughs> releasing this for anyone to hear, especially in my family. So, uh, <laughs> so my babysitting too. Like <laughs> you're babysitting us, yes, yeah. and, and we actually need it full time. Uh, before we get going, Kayla, again, just take a minute, plug your podcast, tell everybody where they can find it, what's been going on lately. Can you give us a sneak peek of an episode that? You haven't announced, you know, something juicy for the the Real Talk community. Uh, I mean, I don't know about juicy, but uh, yeah, you can find my podcast pretty much on any podcast platform. It's just Strikes My Fancy podcast. Um, I touch on a lot of different topics. I've got like the spooky side of things, which is like paranormal. So ghost stories, um, haunted places. I do like conspiracy theories and really dive into them and kind of come at it from, you know, a a blind approach. So it's not me pushing the conspiracy theory down your throat, uh, but just kind of presenting all the information and letting you decide for yourself. I launched a, or I have a, a mental health series that I'm really proud of. I actually 
partner with licensed counselors to discuss mental health issues and kind of provide some tools for how to work through them. And then I recently launched a sex and relationship series and we're talking, it's not like a dirty series necessarily. It's more like, you know, relationship tips and how you can make your relationship stronger. So I've been really proud of that as well. And then I released t-shirt designs. I actually worked with an artist and we came up with some designs that sort of related to the podcast, but can also be worn independently. And you can get those at shop.spreadshirt.com slash strikes my fancy. They're really neat. So, and Kayla, if you will, um, you know, shoot that to me, I'll make, I'll put it in the show notes of the episode. So audience, you'll be able to go to the show notes to check out that website. Absolutely. Did you use these erotic thrillers as research for your sex and relationship advice section? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Just checking. They're so screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's get back over to T-Man. And T-Man, since this was your pick for an episode, we'll just take a minute to introduce our, our audience to the erotic thriller and what made you want to do this episode. Yeah, the erotic thriller is kind of what I call a uh, underrated genre in a lot of ways because, you know, it's really dead from current movie going. But for, I would say, 20 years, it was extremely popular. The, one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode, well, there it's two reasons, is one reason is I think it is an underrated genre, and I think there's a lot to talk about with it because it touches on a lot of different themes it has a lot of different facets to it. Um, and also, it's an adult genre. And I don't think in the current movie-going landscape, there are really many adult genres anymore. I think movies are made for kids, basically, these days. Almost all of them are. And even are, you know, from a blockbuster standpoint to animated flicks to family event, they're all almost kid-centric or PG-13 or even light R. This genre is not like that at all. They are hard R to, you know, main, but they're also very mainstream. Like the ones we're going to talk about, at least a couple of them were huge hits, huge cultural influences on, in a lot of different ways. So I think it's one of those genres that a lot of people don't think about because it's not in the culture of Zykas, but it was for a long time. And it influenced how people thought about a lot of different things in the culture. Um, they were controversial. They were impacting the, the movie-going landscape, and also, they're just entertaining. Like, they're just fun to watch. So I think, I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of highlight a genre. Doesn't get touched on a lot, but if you really think about it and go back to them as we did, there's a lot there to think about and touch on and really just talk about. Kayla made a little bit of a face whenever you said fun to watch. <laughs> I, I did pick up on that. Remember your own video, Kayla, so we saw that. <laughs> Yeah, Kayla, yeah. You, you didn't find the uh, all these erotic thrillers fun to watch? Okay, so I only watched the one because that's all I had time for and honestly all I had the stomach for. But okay. <laughs> um, they're based, I feel like erotic thrillers kind of were a natural evolvement of film noir. So they're naturally very, very dark, uh, very, very masculine characters and I think the femme fatale that's always featured is kind of challenging the masculine character in his masculinity in a way. And it was just a bit too much like alpha for me. I don't know. I I had a, a hard time with it because I just felt like it portrayed women in a very 
unflattering way. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. A lot of them do. And I don't think you watched the one that was has the the most impact in a lot of ways was Fatal Attraction. And that one, while the, the male in that movie is not an alpha, and we'll get into that, it doesn't portray Glenn Close in a favorable light. It was very controversial for that. So I don't yeah, think I read up. Yeah, I read up on Fatal Attraction, and they had apparently portrayed her as like a psycho. And I'm like, of course, of course. Uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to dive into with that for sure. So yeah, I think, but I, I don't think you're wrong in any way. But I think at the same time, the neo noir aspect of it it really shines through. But I think that's what you know. I think if you really like that type of film, you you will appreciate this type of subgenre. But yeah. also, I just appreciate it that it's adult centric. I think you know maybe we didn't realize it at the time. And of course, we were all a little too young, honestly, when this was in its heyday. But now that we're all adults. And you watch films, they're so, and I, I love a lot of movies, but they're just, they just don't feel like they're made for adults. And this genre does, and I appreciate that. Let me ask you, do you think that erotic thrillers got canceled before getting canceled was cool? And do you think they'll ever make a comeback, Tommy? No, no it's, they didn't get canceled, but something did kill it. And yep. honestly, what killed it was the internet and was... I think uh, porn. Free pornography. Yeah. Man, you got like what? Wow. We're just, we're just jumping ahead all into our themes. Yeah. I mean, that was. Yeah, I, I agree fully. Let, let's let's. Yeah. Let's table Thank that you. just for a minute and get into that, because I think that is definitely a juicy, a juicy topic that we can we can discuss in our themes. Uh, so, team, anything else on our introduction to erotic no. thrillers? No, no, I think that covered it really well. Um, I'm just excited that we're going to touch on this kind of, like I said, a genre that doesn't get spoken a lot about, but I think actually had a huge cultural impact, and people may not even realize how big of an impact it really had on the culture. Agreed. I fully agree. Agreed. So, audience, here's what we're going to be doing tonight. We're going to talk through this genre a little about how it came about, its growth and popularity, and then again, how it died out. And then each host has brought a feature review of some of the best films in the genre. So Kayla's already thinking, that was the best? Oh gosh, I would hate to see a bad one. But trust me. You would. Um, I like to look at the erotic thriller genre like an iceberg. You see just, you know, what, what made it to pop, you know, the popular culture of the mainstream audiences is just the tip of the iceberg. Below the sea level is all of this crap and junk and you know just sleazy stuff and there is way 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 more of that than what what made it to the mainstream anyway we're going to be bringing you um four of the best films in the in the genre and then we'll put this episode to bed pun intended um <laughs> so before we do that I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna tell one of my stories here real quick because I mean, I have an erotic Facebook story, and I want to tell our audience, especially because we've got Kayla here to kind of help us out and take us into the psyche of this guy. So I want to get a response from Kayla, and we usually keep it PG-13 around here, but you know, this episode, we might stumble into the R territory or time or two, so when in Rome, right? So here's my story real quick. There, there is this a girl. She is a woman. I think she is in her early 40s now. I'm not going to say her name because, again, we have Bowling Green listeners. She's from this area, and I just don't want to get into that drama. So 
um, we'll just I'm just going to call her B because that's that's an initial there. And so um, this B takes a provocative <laughs> and erotic photo, if you will, that shows off her full figure with just little to the imagination. And I've got to hand it to this B. I mean, I think, again, she's 40 or so. She's taking very good care of herself. Uh, and it's one of those photos that as you're just scrolling through Facebook and you're seeing, you know, moms and dads hanging out with kids and what's going on, that you know, how they did at their ball game and, you know, this and that. And then all of a sudden, bam, you just get hit with this very racy photo. You're like, whoa, is this even is this supposed to be on Facebook? Like, what is what is this? What's going on? <laughs> Am I on OnlyFans? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah, exactly. I mean, no yeah. joke. Like, that's kind of what I thought at first. I'm like, I can't believe this photo is is on Facebook. And I'm like, well, I mean, what would anybody else do? I was like, I got to see the comments on this thing because there's a bunch of comments. Right. And you're like, let's see what kind of drama this is start up. So I'm you know, reading the comments. And of course, you know, there's a bunch of the boring comments like, uh, you know, go girl, you look amazing. And then a few of the guys are like, Oh, so hot. And, and then, you know, of course, uh, she's just eating it up and thanking people and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just, I'm just scrolling and reading all these comments. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm scrolling and this dude, Brett comes in. And what does Brett say? I want to fuck you. And I just, <laughs> Of like, course his name's Brett. <laughs> and I just was like, oh my gosh. I just busted out laughing, screenshotted it, sent it to the guys. And I was just like, man, we got this no shame, horny Brett here just cutting through all the surface level stuff and just getting right to his point. Mind <laughs> you, I looked at this comment and it was like 9 a.m. in the morning. So Brett obviously woke up with some achy passion and that photo is just too much for him <laughs> to handle. And here's the best part. Brett's profile pic is of him and what I assume is <laughs> it's his eight-year-old daughter. So you Ew. get this little avatar of dad and daughter in loving embrace <laughs> besides, I want to fuck you. <laughs> so anyway, Kayla, psychoanalysis that what do we got here? Uh, sounds like a horn dog who forgot he was on a public platform. <laughs> <laughs> that was my exact. Thought. Also, also, I feel like Wes, you you've taken some cues from me, my friend. You're you're getting into the world of erotic thrillers firsthand. <laughs> Wes is starting to see now. You get drawn in real easily. Honestly, if his name's Brett, I mean, Bretts are like cousins of the Chads of the world, so I expect that from a Brett. <laughs> Chads and Brett's come. Well, back. hey, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, I just I wanted to share that. I thought it was funny. And uh, any thoughts on this? I mean, you know, I, I thought this was a good story to to, to share for our uh, erotic thrillers episode. He meant his Brett. Well, you know, actually, this makes me think about what happened to the genre. Actually, and I'm saving my, some of my thoughts for that. But for this particular instance, uh. This I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's so strange that it's hard to even fathom. What <laughs> but it definitely it definitely feels like an, uh, something from a plot from an erotic thriller for sure. Well, let's get into our theme discussion tonight. And team, man, let's just go right back over to you and just kind of kick off and let's start talking about this genre a little. Going back to kind of what we talked about with the genre is I think 
one of the reasons why it was so popular in the 1980s, especially in the 1990s, is that movies had not kind of been able to do what these movies did for a long time. You know, the the MPAA just was enacted in the late 60s. In the 70s, you had all of these really, you know, the new wave filmmakers. You had all these great, interesting filmmakers making really serious movies. In the 80s, that kind of died out with the corporatism of the studio system. And, you know, the new wave was done. But they still had the ratings in place where you could go to that higher level of the R rating. And so what did, what do these, you know, corporations and movie studios go with? What sells? You know, what sells? Sex sells. So they're like, you know what? Forget, you know, being, you know, trying to make these uh, really serious anti-war films or that touches on the impact of, of, you know, war trauma, whatever it is. Let's go into the sex. And honestly, I think that's why the genre was created. Because they knew that sex sold. They took a lot of different combinations from a lot of genres. Kel, I think you hit it right right on the head. They're basically neo-noirs, but with an infusion of extreme sex and extreme violence. So you had kind of all of these extreme elements packed into it. And I think that really kind of created the genre in a lot of ways. What do you all think? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't want to take up. <laughs> okay. Well, just off that, Kayla, what do you think? Do you think that kind of created the genre in a way because that's what i was trying to figure out where did it come from why did it just all of a sudden happen like in well, the early 80s and i think that's the best synopsis i can come up with yeah so actually fun fact there was something called the Hayes code that came before mpaa and it was incredibly strict it actually would not even let filmmakers portray the marital bed in a nasty way like there were so many tight restrictions that it kind of kept all that under lock and then like you said in the late 60s early 70s is when the MPAA came around and it was much more loose and it kind of made that way for them to kind of bridge that gap and then at the same time you have film becoming much bigger and it was kind of a bridge from like Playboy magazines to what we know today as pornography. So it was a tasteful way to kind of get, you know, jiggy with it on screen and get away with it. And it was better than Playboy. Yeah, it kind of took that next level in a way. I think you're exactly right. It's like you had the Playboy industry. You had that in the in the 70s. But what was like the next step to that? And that was watching your favorite movie stars have sex on camera. I mean, movie that's movies. It, yeah, that's what it created. It created that genre. And people loved it. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it. But these movies were huge hits. Gabe, are, you know, I know Gabe's going to talk about how he fell in love with Michael Douglas soon. You know, you had <laughs> huge movie stars in these, and they made huge movie stars. And so I think it's just so fascinating how this genre kind of just came all of a sudden, became super popular, but then died out within 20 years. And really well, the first movies to start doing that, you've got Last Tango in Paris. That was a really big one because you've got, I believe Jack, is Jack Nicholson in that one, right? No, Marlon Brando. Brando, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And That's then there was another, place. there was another one that was really big in the uh, '60s, right after this code was lifted, I believe, that helped propel the genre forward. Well, you know, I can't think of the name of the other movie. That's a good point, Wes. But I, you know, I think like Last Time in Paris. I think that's more of like, isn't that like a, a erotic drama? 
like not really erotic thriller per se, but to your point, yeah, I think those type of things laid the foundation for the genre. And I think, you know, erotic thriller is its own thing because I think it's a combination of the looser restrictions and the studio system want, wanting to know, okay, what sells to an audience? And like, seriously, if you really think about erotic thriller, it's got the two big things that sells violence and sex. And they're kind of mashed together in this weird combination. And I think that's really. So it's kind of it's it's a studio driven product in a lot of ways. Yeah, and erotic just doesn't work with anything else but thriller. It's like erotic comedy, like nobody wants to see that. <laughs> no. Erotic animated movie, like nobody wants to see that except for Wes and well, Secret Love. Well, that's hentai. Oh well, I did, that's a thing. I was just going to comment on Wes's Secret Love for Jasmine off of uh, Aladdin. So, um, oh, it's not a secret. Did love Jasmine. That's, a, that's very public knowledge. <laughs> Um, but I mean, yeah, the erotic thriller is, is its own genre in itself, and it and it's spectacular and it's short lived. But I think some of the movies are 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 really good, like, but also cringeworthy, bad, it, and would not work in today's society. Well, it's kind of it's a weird genre because it like comes out with a bang. It has some really big hits, some really good movies, some really cultural impact movies. But then it it creates its own genre. Like, what <laughs> genre can create its own genre? <laughs> With the Skinamax genre, which was literally like a huge thing too on you know cable, you had all those Skinamax movies. Literally, the channel is called Cinemax, but people called it Skinamax because of how many of these type of movies was on there. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting that it created its own little genre out of that. Yeah, Team Man, I'm glad Cinemax. you brought that up because I wanted I wanted to mention that real quick. The movie I was trying to think of was 1966's Blow Up. As well. So Blow Up and Last Tango in Paris of 1972. I think the movie I'm going to be talking about tonight was the first true erotic thriller. But these are two two movies that kind of helped move us in this direction. And that's why I wanted to make sure that I brought those up. But, you know, you brought up the the kind of the Skinamax error. And that's whenever you had, you know, like Shannon Tweed who is like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the princess of oh, the direct-to-video uh, direct or uh, movies at that time, you know, the VHS queen and, and stuff like that. And what's funny is that, you know, whenever I was in middle school, I think uh, maybe getting ready for high school, you know, our friend Derek had, uh, you know, he had satellite. And I, I didn't grow up. I just, we didn't have cable. We didn't have anything. And of course, what do they? What did they do? What did the companies do to entice you to watch? You know these kind of second-rate erotic films, erotic movies. You know they were they're more like a hard R versus you know anything actually resembling pornography. You know? Yeah, exactly. They, what they would do is that they would show five minutes free. Before the movie would start, and so this was always like, like, we got to get to that five minute. We about to start. You know, you know, adolescent kid. You know, you you just watch, you know, some Friday the Thirteenth movies, and you know, you're there with your little buddies, and he's like, hey, hey, check this out, and he's like, you know, it's it's about you know eleven o'clock. We just made it in time. Check out this. I'm gonna show you five minutes free of this movie, and of course, you see like one one side boob or something. You're like, oh my gosh! You're like, or, or it could be even worse, Wes. Where like they're get, about to get to it, and she's taking off, like unbuttoning. It's like you've just breached your five minutes. <laughs> We're checking the TV. Come back. Oh, we gotta wait an hour and a half before it starts yeah. over again. And then it goes. Okay, I have so, to ask. 
Oh, yeah. Did you guys have, like, on cable, like, we never had cable, so it would be, like, when we went on vacation or whatever. Did y'all ever have, like, that late night channel that just showed random porn? It was free. I don't know where it came from. Oh. But, like, I would just be flipping through, and then it was just porn. And I was like, what is happening? But also, <laughs> like, did, kind of intrigued at the same time. I think you lived in, like, a Twilight Zone era. Where where, where was this? I want to go. Uh, yeah. I don't know anything about this, but I want to know more. I mean, they were super weird. It was, like, aliens abducting and then probing. It was weird, but it was still there, you know. That was the X-Files. Kayla, I I didn't have that channel, but I did have like this. So I had this random channel. It was like 78. It was kind of blurry, but there would always be boobs and stuff on it. I think it was like a pay channel on my tube TV. And we would watch it and be like, I think we can make it. I knew. I I was about to say this, honestly. No joke. I was about to say, Gabe, you were the guy that had the channel that had the squiggly lines and you tried to see it. And he's something. (laughs) It probably it probably was nothing. It was probably like a genie in the lamp, but we thought it was. And so me and Eric would be like, oh, "They got a nipple." <laughs> oh, I saw that. That was awesome, man. They, they were actually just like pick, uh, picking melons, you know. People younger than us, they're like, "Really? That's what you had to go through?" Yes, this is yeah, what yes, you had to go true. through. It's just a different <laughs> world. I remember being turned on because I saw a card. You know how they used to send those little Yahoo mail cards? And it was like a man with the hole. And you're supposed to stick your finger through it. And I was just like so scandalized. But also I was like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) A young age. Oh, all right. (laughs) That's what we had to go through. We learned something about Kayla tonight. That was was pretty good. Uh. Kayla, I hate to tell you this, but the Weird Al Yankovic CD that had Gangster's Paradise, also, if you put your finger through the middle of the CD. Really? Yeah. That is true. <laughs> and you know what? The thing is, I was going to get uh, my, the Christmas card that I usually send out has that, but I'm going to stop that. <laughs> now I know what people think. Look, so. 12-year-old me was, you know, just on the cusp. I didn't know what was going on. Oh. Just making you feel all funny inside. You're like, I'm what is happening? Exactly. <laughs> Now, T-Man's getting ready to tell a story about when he was flipping through the J.C. Penny catalog, picking out <laughs> presents for Christmas, and he flipped, flipped to the women's underwear section and how he couldn't stop looking at it. Right, Tommy? <laughs> that was That's coming. I'm saving that for later, Gabe. Right, a catalog thriller. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, T-Man, let's, well, let's, let's rein the panel back in here on... Back. on the erotic thrills but yeah so we you know we got we got the movies it, it got really popular we got into this the skin of max era where you know uh, again this just this is all that dominated the very late night friday and saturday night uh, uh tv kayla one one thing that that i was curious about is because the, another thing that's kind of i think risen and fallen with this genre was the erotic books you know, I could was yeah. shopping. I mean, they even had them at at uh, at you know places like maybe Walmart and things like that. Because I can remember shopping with mom as a kid and seeing you know the the Fabio looking guy on the cover of a book. <laughs> Always and that guy, bare yeah. chested, and the the woman is you know just laid back in his arms. That guy got around. Boy, he did. <laughs> he did. So you know what? You know, again, do you have any thoughts on the appeal of those books? Why they were so popular and it, and they seemed really to. Uh, mirror these movies in a way um, and they were of course very you know very successful with a lot of women 
Well, I mean, those are still really successful today, honestly. Um, I'm kind of into contemporary romance books myself, but I know a lot of people who are still into those that have those kind of covers and everything. And I think a lot of it was they targeted the housewives who had like nothing better to do. They were at home raising the kids because that was kind of an era of, you know, the wives stay home, the men go to work and provide for the family. And they were bored, you know, and probably had relationship problems for all we know. So I think it kind of targeted that that part of the woman that because it's a totally different take from erotic thrillers. I think those kind of targeted the men and the romance. I mean, you know, you've got this guy with like muscles out the wahoo and this woman is just like fawning over him. And it was just a different a different way for a woman to be treated. And I kind of talk about this in my my little review of basic instinct, but I think it was at that kind at that time starting to introduce, you know, some different types of things in the bedroom. So in my movie, for instance, it kind of talked about BDSM a little bit. And I think those kind of books probably started to introduce those themes as well. And it was just something new and exciting for people. No, that's a great point. You know, so we've got, you know, the women with the books, we've got the the men dragging their wives or their buddies, probably in a lot of cases, to the theater to watch the new erotic thrillers. America is is going crazy. You know, everybody is uh, is just filled with passion at the theaters and, you know, just all the stuff. T-Man, what happened? What happened to this genre? Like, where did we go How, wrong? Why, is it, why did it disappear? Well, I think there's a lot of things that happened, Wes, and it's a great point. I think one thing that happened is the genre did become too male-focused. I think, you know, if you go back to Fatal Attraction, actually, that's a very female and male focused film. And women love that movie. Like that is a very popular movie for both sexes. Um, It was actually and I'll I'll talk about this. It was the number one film that year. Crazy to think about, but it was the most popular film. Anyway, what I think happened was several things. One was that the the genre kind of ran itself into the ground that the movies weren't very good. So they stopped being really good after Basic Instinct. So you had like maybe eight or nine or ten years where they just weren't good. And then the Skinamax kind of thing kind of took over. And so they kind of like got a bad reputation, I think. So people didn't really want to make them. Movie stars didn't want to be in, be in them anymore. And I think that kind of started to happen. Then two things also started happen, happening. Something changed in America in the late 90s to early 2000s where we stopped making movies people stopped going to those movies that were adult focused yeah they call them like the four quadrant blockbuster where it touches all like spider-man when that came out that was a four quadrant blockbuster where it's families adults children uh you know couples everybody goes to that one movie instead of them going to like an adult-centric film so the movie industry changed at the same time the porn industry came into with the internet so I think it was like all of these different things happened at the same time, which ultimately killed off the genre. You had a few every now and again, like, do y'all remember that movie Unfaithful with Diane Lane? Yeah. That's kind of like an erotic thriller in a way. So it's, there's been bits and spurts, but it, overall it's kind of died out for sure. Let me ask you this. What about, and I've been in erotic land for 36 hours prepping for this Ooh. episode. What about, has it morphed? What about Fifty Shades of Grey? Would you consider I... that erotic thriller? Kayla, what do you think? Well, 
Another fun fact for you, Fifty Shades of Grey is actually a BDSM spoof of Twilight, <laughs> the movie with the sparkly vampires. So I don't <laughs> think that that necessarily led to it. But I did, you know, I do think that those kind of movies started to touch on BDSM and kind of introduce that idea. So I can see how it kind of evolved into that a little bit. Um, but it totally took away the film noir aspects of it because it wasn't, you know, murder and all of that. It was just lust at that point. Um, but I do want to touch on one quick thing. I think one thing that started happening in the 2000s, women started being listened to a little bit more. And we kind of started fighting for the way we were being tr- portrayed in films. And a lot of those films portrayed the women very, very badly. <laughs> Whether it was the straight woman who's a psycho and just wants revenge or even the lesbian woman who has absolutely no character arc, absolutely no depth to her character. She's just there for the sex appeal. And I think women started speaking up and being like, no, we're not going to play these roles anymore because it it demoralizes us. So I think that started to change, too. And I kind of put down one of the reasons why I thought that we don't see this type of stuff anymore is it wasn't the Me Too movement, but it was just a gradual shift to that type of thinking, like what you're what you're talking about. And you you see that not just in this genre, but I think also in the horror genre as well. You mm-hmm. you get it um, a lot. You know, there was a difference in between the final girl of the '80s in a lot of movies. Now you have a few very strong female roles. Uh, that are final girls, but there was a lot of movies. It's just kind of like, well, they were just accidentally the final girl. You know, they weren't really uh, persevering in order to survive. It's just they were just they hadn't got to them yet, kind of thing. To in mm-hmm. you know, getting very smart horror heroines like uh, uh, Sydney Prescott as an example, and as horror yeah. evolved, they started really getting more into uh, the very smart female. Uh, didn't always have to be the the big busty, just beautiful female lead, you know, that they used to be putting as, you know, the horror final. So I think not just with with this genre dying out, but other genres started to kind of morph as well, which in film, since that's what we are, a movie podcast, it really started driving down even further these characters that were in erotic thrillers. Tima, I don't know if you got any thoughts on that, but I, I've kind of I kind of noticed that as well as uh, unfaithful. I actually saw it in theaters with a girl that I was dating at the time. It's actually a, a pretty solid movie, especially the second half. It's really strong. The first half is is not as strong, but it's not like these. It's a little, I guess, more tastefully done uh, in a lot of ways. But you know, there's even after the success of Unfaithful, there wasn't really a lot of, yeah. of movies even like well, that. I think you both make a great point about that, how the films kind of changed. Like Unfaithful, for example, Wes, that, that one is told more from the female perspective. And it's in the erotic thriller vein, it really is, but it's told from the flip side of that. And I think what happened is exactly what you all talked about, you know, going with those other things. I think a lot of people in the film industry didn't want to do those type of films anymore because they, you know, for whatever reason going back to what you were talking about, Kayla, because a lot of women didn't want to be just the sex object or the crazy person that was shown in all these movies. And so I think there was that gradual change in that. Um, 
Wikipedia. Hey, also, that's there was an attempt at an erotic thriller pretty recently. I think it was in 2016, somewhere around there. Catherine Heigl starred in Unforgettable, and it tanked at the movie yeah, so, theater. So yeah, it's it almost awful. like the world rejected it. <laughs> but I think at the same time, though, because like we talked about, you know, these movies were huge hits in the 80s and early yeah. 90s. And Fatal Attraction especially touches on a lot of topics. It has a lot of themes. It's actually a very serious movie that had a lot of cultural impact. I think another thing that we can't leave out is the movies just started to be really bad. You know, if the movies get really bad for a long time, people lose interest. And I think the Skinamax thing, all of those things played a part into it too. Because like we talked about, Unfaithful was a was a hit. Diane Lane was nominated for Best Actress. So if they're well made, they can be good. Now, I do know that they are making, so Adrian Lyne, who did Unfaithful, did Fatal Attraction. He is making a movie with Ben Affleck and uh, Ana de Amos, I think is her name, mm-hmm. that where they're playing like swingers and they get involved with some thriller aspects. So, in other words, I think they're still making some of these movies and we'll see if that's a hit. So, because I think I really do think if it's well made, people like these type of movies, even if they don't want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, you brought up an interesting <laughs> point about, you know, when the genre is bad for so long, people lose interest. And again, you know, as the guy always likes to talk about horror, that's, that's the exact thing that happened to horror in the 80s and early in early 90s or actually the entire first half of the 90s is that people lost interest because the movies were so bad. And it just took that one big movie to kind of bring everybody's interest back, of course, which we all know is Scream. So uh, I don't know. Maybe Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas can can bring us back. I really think this this genre is due for a revival. And I'm not just saying that because we're on this podcast. I really <laughs> think that. I think what it needs is a couple big stars. It needs a really good director. It needs an interesting subject. Because here's the thing. This subject is still, people are still always so interested. They still love sex. They still love violence. And they will go watch these movies. It just has to be well made. Well, and I think, actually, that's a really good point. I think one of the reasons that erotic thrillers became so popular was this was like the first time that women were portrayed as enjoying sex. Like, we weren't just baby-making machines we weren't, you know, just a fixture to support the man. Like we actually were able to enjoy sex. And that was like a whole new pro- like thought process, I think, for everybody. Like, like wait, they enjoy yeah. it too? Because the guys in the audience, is- like, it was, it was like that Stanford White scene. You know, their heads were exploding, <laughs> yeah. steam coming out. Like, whoa, yeah. what? No, this you can't enjoy be it real. Too? Like, what? Because <laughs> that was never talked about. You know, we were, we were purely for reproductive purposes. And so I think this kind of took off for a little bit and then you know bridged the gap between that and pornography because it was like oh women do enjoy sex and then that just led to everything that we have today the only last thing i would want to bring up but i think we're going to touch that on that in the movies are just the themes that erotic thrillers touch on because i know when you think of erotic thrillers like all you think about is just like the erotic aspect or violence but there's a lot of themes that go on in these movies that are very adult focused but like Fatal Attraction, you've got, um, you know, affairs going on. You've got mental illness, basic instinct. You have similar type things. You have, you know, women enjoying sex that hasn't been shown in a lot of ways. So I think there's a lot of themes that I'll be, uh, I think that'll be interesting to talk about when we get into the movies. 
Sounds good. So, audience, let's do that exact thing. We're going to move into the episode's main event. Each host will be feature reviewing an erotic thriller, and you're going to be getting reviews of some of the best in the genre. We will give you a mild spoiler warning, as some of the aspects we'll want to discuss will include plot elements for the film, but we'll try not to like ruin the endings of these films or anything, just in case that you haven't seen them. And what we decided to do was to review these films in chrono- chronological order of release, so you can see how the films are changing as we go through the 80s and 90s, of course, again, which was the heyday of these films. Brian De Palma, the master of the macabre, invites you to a showing of the latest fashion in murder. (laughs) Dressed to kill. Michael Caine. Angie Dickinson, Nancy Allen, dressed to kill. Murder, made to order, by Brian De Palma. So I'm going to kick everybody off tonight. I'm going to be talking about 1980s dressed to kill. This is probably, it may not be my favorite, but it is definitely one it's it's in my top two. I'll say that along with Fatal Attraction. So, um, because first, I think this is probably the best directed, best shot film in the genre. Uh, plus, it combines both noir elements and slasher elements into the film, uh, and of course, that's that's why I like it so much. Is because it is like a like a, an erotic thriller that's a slasher movie which i've always enjoyed the slasher films uh there's a fantastic criterion release of the movie as well now i think gabe and t-man were planning to try to gang up on me and say how bad this movie is but again (laughs) criterion feels that this was a movie noteworthy enough to put in their collection it's got some great special features the trans blue ray blu-ray transfer is incredible on it so highly recommend picking up dress to kill and we're actually giving away a blu-ray copy of this movie in support of the episode Dress to Kill, the reason to talk about it first, this movie is actually referred to as the first official erotic thriller, or at least the first modern, popular one that set off the popularity of the genre throughout the 80s and 90s. Now, Fatal Attraction took this introduction to it and then just exploded it into the mainstream, but really, uh, Dress to Kill got us started. It was written and directed by Brian De Palma who isn't always working with the most respectable material. T-Man and I have talked about this many times, uh, about how he kind of gets sleazy material and then directs it with... He directs it with like the talent that only very few filmmakers have probably ever had. And for my money, honestly, De Palma is one of the best directors of all time, though I'm not always... His movies aren't always my favorite, if that makes sense. He's the best with the camera and the way he tells his story through his shots. I'll say it like that. The movie stars Michael Caine, Angie Dickinson, Nancy Allen, who people will know from RoboCop, and Keith Gordon. The Wikipedia synopsis for the film, it depicts the events leading up to the murder of a New York City housewife played by Angie Dickinson. 
um, before following a prostitute played by Nancy Allen who witnesses the murder of this New York City housewife. It wound up being a respectable hit. It had it grossed $32 million back in 1980 at the box office on a budget of $6.5 million. And right from the get-go, this movie gets <laughs> very erotic for an R-rated movie. It's got this shower scene uh, in it, and it really, the first time I watched it, I was like, whoa, I can't believe they have a couple of these shots in an R-rated movie from 1980. But I'm going to go to... Uh, to comment, you know, Brett on Facebook and let Brett know, hey, check out Dress to Kill. This might cool you down a little bit. Well, Wes, uh, I want to just jump in real quick. I was going to make a Brett joke. I was just going to say, you know, when you first when you first watch this movie, do you like go to its like IMDb page or something and pull a Brett on it? <laughs> well, what I was going to say is that Brett could have just watched this rather than embarrassing himself on social media. <laughs> <laughs> but... But Angie Dickinson, who plays the lead, she's 50 years old uh, in this movie, and she is a very, very gorgeous woman. She's aged like J-Lo, you know, wow. as, as, as a white girl can age uh, to J-Lo. Another aspect that the movie has, it has a very giallo-type feel. I don't know if y'all picked up on that a little bit. It's just this weird, like, noir, giallo, slasher film. It has this odd mixture of everything. Uh, a couple more things, and I'll open it up for everybody. It has uh, the iconic scene in the movie is the museum scene. And if you were, to, my guess is if you were to read this scene in a screenplay, it would probably seem a bit silly for some reason. And maybe it is in the film, but for whatever reason, I think this museum scene, it just works. It's so well done. It's so entertaining. There's no dialogue, but it's this cat-and-mouse game between two strangers who find one another attractive, and they keep following one another around the museum. And just when you think that they're going to stop and talk, the scene just keeps going, and they just don't get together. Uh, it has a beautiful score over the scene as well. It's just really cool. And there was supposed to actually be voice narration of what Angie Dickinson's character is thinking. But when De Palma edited it, he just said, he went back to Angie and said, we won't be needing the narration. Just based on what he was able to capture, he said, the audience knows what you were thinking the whole time. There's no need in that. And they left it. Um, but De Palma is, of course, known as the, the split diopter shot that he does that's in this movie as well. The way he... and. If you don't know the audience, if you don't know that what that is, you basically have two scenes running simultaneously on the screen at the same time. And you're basically following what two characters are doing at once. He doesn't do it in this movie, but in other movies, he actually has those scenes where they finally marry up to one another and become the scene. It's just awesome the way he's able to do that. And you get a little taste of that in this movie. The, the killer in Dress to Kill... To me, since we're right off the heels of our Silence of the Lambs episode, it draws a lot of parallels to Buffalo Bill since we just covered, you know, like I said, we just covered Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I found that interesting. Um, and then there are, I, I think the movie purposefully is ripping off Psycho. Obviously, I've already told you that the lead character dies very early in the film in a very slasher-like manner. Uh, it's similar in themes to Psycho, similar in its killer to Psycho. So overall, I think Dress to Kill is a is a stylistic, fun entry into the erotic thriller genre. 
Also, although it's not as mainstream as some of the other films we're going to talk about tonight, I thought it held up pretty well um, because the movie, again, plays into themes now that have gone very mainstream over the last few years. And another thing that doesn't age it so bad is there's really no technology or anything that's at the center point of the story. And anytime you have technology at the center point of the story, it helps to age the film, obviously, because technology is always changing. So, guys, I know you want to rip Dress to Kill Apart, but this is definitely one of my favorite. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, first, I want to say a couple things before I'm sure T-Man tears it apart. It's funny. We spend too much time together, but I was watching this film and I was thinking, what a great filmmaker with such a crappy subject matter. Like this film, I just don't <laughs> think the plot is that good. Like you're, I do think the museum scene is shot phenomenally, but the whole time I'm watching it is I'm like, what's happening in this museum? Why was there, there's a maze, there's a map, they're walking around. And then somehow it leads into taxi cab confessional. I got lost. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. It's like, uh, Listen, why does that woman want her glove, man? What's going on with that glove? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't trust don't any male that wears sunglasses inside of a museum. Like, no. Like, you're in a museum. Why do you have your sunglasses on? You can't be trusted. You could have black eyes. There could be, I don't know what's going on there. Gabe, okay, I also don't trust a guy that's sitting in a, a taxi waving this glove out, being like, come on, come get your glove. <laughs> and, and you guys remember that show, Taxi Cab Confessional? It, this movie, that show, I'm really, I, I'm thinking about starting a Facebook group for taxi cab drivers. It's horrible what happens in the back of y'all seats <laughs> and what you guys have to wit witness. It's basically like a running erotic thriller. That guy seemed to like it in the movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> he was really changing that uh, window back there. Let me watch. He also uh, has venereal disease, we find out. Yeah, that was the second thing I was going to say. What's worse than getting killed is all, is finding out you have a venereal disease first, then getting killed. So you didn't even... <laughs> but the Which good thing is you didn't have to worry about that, that venereal disease. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, she was cured of that. This one is an interesting watch, I think, because I, I think you all are both right in a way, like... I think, Wes, you are right that it's it's really well directed and it does have that giallo feel to it. But then Gabe is also right because this script, this has got to be one of the worst written movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I do not know what's going on in it, ever. I've seen it twice. I could not tell you the plot still to this day. <laughs> like, I thought I was missing something. I'm glad yeah, you I said that. I was like, am I missing? Like, because I was watching it while doing stuff. I was like, did I miss a whole scene? Like, what's going on? That's like, because like, the plot is just purely based on shock and awe. <laughs> and I, I yeah. know you guys are going to say something, but I predicted it at 21 minutes in. I predicted the ending at 21 minutes well, in, and I won't ruin it for the people, but I think everybody does. Well, we got to ruin it because, I mean, we won't ruin too much, but it's so obvious because there's nobody else it could it be. Could be. <laughs> And they set it up over like, and over. There's no other bad guy. Like, there's no other character. It's like, what's going on with him, man? Plus, they don't do a good job of, like, explaining what's going on with him. And you're right, Wes. It is a total psycho, like, ripoff towards the end. I think you spelled it right there. Brian De Palma wrote it, and that tells you everything right there. He's not known as a writer. Like, he's an expert director, not a writer. I think you can tell that. Plus, here's my thing watching the movie also, I noticed. There's something that kind of, 
like it's like Brian De Palma is like half his scenes are like in like slow motion, like <laughs> the elevator scene. How slow was that reaction from her like looking up to the oh. mirror to like her like I know what he's trying to go for. It's like kind of like delayed. He's kind of like stretching it out. It's not slow motion or way, but it's kind of like that. I totally see what he was going for. I just don't know if it works. I, I don't know. I just got that feeling like I'm like, all right, Brian, like, get come on, get going with your camera. Let's get like he's too slow sometimes. I think yeah, he I was think he was there for sure. I did notice that. I've seen it a couple of times, and my I watched the Criterion version for for this episode, and uh, that that's the one thing that I felt it jumped out to me more this time is because that's a very famous scene in the movie actually is Angie Dickinson's murder is, you know, and that's not really a spoiler considered it happens like 20 minutes into the movie, but another side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah. It rips, it rips psycho off a lot, which and if you're going to emulate a movie, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a good one to do. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a little, that was a little slow. But again, I just I, I just love his directing style for the most part and his shots and just the way that he tells his stories. I just think they're it's all beautifully done. It does feel a little bit in parts like it is from the 70s, which they probably shot it in the 70s, considering it was a 1980 release. But uh, yeah, I, I like it. I think I'm glad to see that it was popular and kind of got the genre going. There could be a lot worse movies to kick off a genre. Uh, than this one well the, it's it's one of those things just real quick game it's as much as we're bashing it here's the thing about a brian de paul movie they're very rewatchable because like even if the plot is just so nonsensical which he has quite a few of those actually like he's such an interesting director like say what you want about brian de palma like his shots and his framing and his set pieces are so visually interesting that even if it's not a good movie you still kind of have fun with it. I mean, I still enjoyed watching it, even though like some of the things I'm like laughing are like, what is he doing? Like the whole end sequence with Michael Caine. What the hell was that? Like, <laughs> that is out of this world. Crazy stuff. Like I, and I don't like how the, he, uh, Brian just copied himself from Carrie again, doing a fake ending. I, he just literally just did that again. I wish he would have just kept, I wish that would have been the real ending personally. Yeah, yeah. I like that ending. Honestly, yeah, like, I think he, I think he should have stuck with that ending, but no, I mean, th- I always like what- appreciate. Last thing I'll say, Gabe, I always appreciate when a killer gets out of his shoes. Jumps <laughs> <laughs> out because he knew she was sta- I was thinking, like, man, he is stationed really weird there. Anyway, yeah. okay. Last thing I'll say. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I, I want. I don't want people to run from this movie because, we, as much as me and T Man made fun of it. I will agree with Wes completely. That train sequence, I think De Palma knocks it out of the park. And that train—that's where—that's where, that's where really I good, saw really good scene. Yeah, that's where I saw his his you know his glory. There were there were certain scenes that he the stabbing sequence I thought was really fantastic in the elevator. But who's gonna like this film? But there was also a sequence where I think there was a bong and some granny panties on the screen. So okay, that sells it. I gotta watch this one. <laughs> Like it was, it was like a shot in the movie and they were like in the forefront of the screen. And I was like, well, what is this? But people that are going to like this movie, people, this movie is for fans of liking your mom a lot, homemade mace, talk, random talk about stocks and paintings that make no sense, wearing sunglasses inside, cab sex. You're going to love this movie if you like cab sex, VDs (laughs) before you die. You'll love this movie if you, if you like getting a VD right before you die. 
I think it's a good movie that everybody will be entertained by. Well, Kayla, we, we want you to get to see this movie. So just enter our contest, and then um, all you have to do is just take a picture of yourself listening to Real Talk. Uh, so you could just take a, a little screenshot right now. We'll put you in the drawing, and, and that way you can win a copy of Dress to Kill. Okay. Older. Oh, yeah. I can uh, look. She's running to get her camera now. Um, <laughs> Anyway, let's move on from Dress to Kill, and, you know, there were some, obviously some other uh, great, there is a great kind of erotic thriller that's a lot more tastefully done than Dress to Kill called Body Heat that came out in 1981. If you've never seen Body Heat, it is truly fantastic. Uh, I showed a friend one time, and he was just like, that is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, it is a great, probably the one I should have picked. But I did want to talk uh, about Dress to Kill, considering it's the first one. Then we get several other ones um, in between that time. But we're taking you to 1987 now. Uh, T-Man, what you got for Fatal Attraction? A look that led to an evening. We were attracted to each other at the party. That was obvious. You're on your own for the night. That's also obvious. A mistake he'd regret all his life. And where's your wife? And you're here with a strange girl being a naughty boy. I don't think having dinner with anybody's a crime. I've got to see you. This is going to stop. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on. She keeps calling me apart. Hello? Every time Beth answers the phone, she hangs up. I'm scared, Jimmy. You play fair with me? Do you have an affair with her? I'll play fair with you. I don't want to lose my family. Why could you do that? You're scared of me, aren't you? You're afraid. Yeah, that's a good call about Body Heat West. I didn't think about that one. That one is really good. But going over to 1987's Fatal Attraction. So we talked a lot about the genre, and I think this one's a really interesting one to talk about because it's actually quite a bit different than a lot of the other ones, though it's still an erotic thriller, I think. It's just, in my opinion, it's just a lot more serious than all the other ones. So this one, as Wes said, uh, came out in 1987 and if you haven't heard about it i'm i don't know how you have it if you're watching a movie podcast because it was such a huge event such culture you know zeitgeist is that that how you say it caught the zeitgeist there you know it was so i'll just kind of give you the the synopsis of it it's a 1987 psychological thriller directed by by adrian lott who's like the the top guy in this genre if that's if you want to be known like mm-hmm. that, he did uh, and a half weeks, which is also another erotic thriller. He did Unfaithful, as we just talked about. He's doing that upcoming Ben Affleck movie, and he did Fatal Attraction. And there's also in Jacob's Ladder, for example, we've got some pretty crazy stuff going on in that one too. That kind of dips into this same yeah. this world. Yeah, that, that yeah that was like a, a cross genre. It has some of these elements to it. I agree. That's a good point. Now, it's from a screenplay written by James Dearden based on his short film, actually. It stars Michael Douglas, who's also kind of the the top guy in this genre, I guess you could say. We've got another one of his coming up. Glenn Close and Ann Archer. Now, the film centers on a married man who has a weekend affair with a woman who ultimately refuses to, to allow it to end, becomes obsessed with him, and... Things go off the tracks. And if that's not the basic plot of the, like, the, like, if you want to talk about the nuts and bolts of the erotic thriller, that's it right there. Like, that sentence right there, I think, perfectly encapsulates this whole genre. 
I think that's why this is like kind of the perfect movie of this genre other than Basic Instinct. And so this movie was released in September 1987, and it actually became the number one film of that year, which is kind of crazy to think about that with that plot with all of those different elements with the erotic thriller tagline with it being r-rated became the number one film of the year and so there's a lot of things to talk about with this film i'll just kind of give you my brief analysis of it or brief reviews of it. then i want to kind of open up to you all also to get your thoughts on it so i think it's a really great movie i think i hadn't seen it before other than maybe um maybe six months ago was the first time i ever watched it and i was kind of blown away how good it was actually and I think it's just a really interesting to watch, especially nowadays, because it, it's a really good reflection of the late 80s, I think, because it covers, you know, the New York wealth aspect of it. You have the independent woman, which is kind of a newer thing in film, also kind of being, you know, her own woman and kind of, you know, she's the one that's coming on to Michael Douglas, which I think is an interesting kind of reversal. And Kayla, I think it goes to kind of your point around this this genre is that she's kind of the aggressor in the relationship, with it, which is a Usual. Now, mm-hmm. here's where I think the movie is controversial. And I can see why it's controversial. So they have the weekend affair and things are going great, but Michael Douglas wants to end it. And this is where I think people can have differing opinions on the movie. And maybe that's the point of the movie is that who is in the right and who is in the wrong in a lot of ways. Because Michael Douglas did the things he did, and Glenn Close doesn't want it to end. And she doesn't want to let go. And so she is in a way saying, how can you just decide this is over without any repercussions to it? You get to go live your life, have the perfect marriage, have the perfect life. I'm stuck here single by myself. So she becomes vindictive. But I think in a way she's sympathetic also. Like I have sympathy for Ultimately, she becomes much crazier, much more violent. And I think that's also where the movie's controversial because – a lot of women said, you know what, that's not a really good depiction of women in a lot of ways. She becomes crazy, unstable, you know, kills the rabbit in the in the stew, which is a super, you know, famous scene. And ultimately, you know, tries to kill them. So I think there's a lot of controversial aspects to it that I'd like to hear your all thoughts on. A couple of things just before I open it up. One is Glenn Close, they didn't want to give her the role, which I thought was really interesting. They said she wasn't sexy enough. She couldn't do it. She couldn't do the role. And she actually frizzed up her hair like she did in the movie, went into the audition, and just nailed it. And I think Glenn Close is just an amazing actress, and she is so good in this role. Also, another thing is they changed the ending to the movie. So in the original ending, Glenn Close actually kills herself and sets up Michael Douglas. Well, to basically take the fall for it, to to finally show, give him some responsibility in this whole thing. Well, the stu- the the audiences hated it, hated it. So they went back, changed it, and Glenn Close refused to do it for a long time. But she finally convinced it. Where basically it became, she became like a psychopath. Broke into their house, tried to kill them all. Came back out of the bathtub, shooting. You know, became like a typical arch villain but originally that was not the ending so i think that's also interesting of how it would have been perceived if that would have been kept in so anyway i just want to open up to you all anything that you all want to say about the film when you watched it or anything that i kind of reacted to from that 
Well, Tim, and I think one thing that's interesting is I believe the original ending of the movie, that would work today. I almost feel like that is the ending. Like if you were to have that same movie and put that ending where she pretty much everybody thinks, you know, poor her. It's all, on, you know, Michael Douglas gets his comeuppance with that. I can see, especially in the independent world, them making that that sure. same movie. So it was like a modern day ending for a movie in, you know, 1987. But uh, this movie, this is a great film. I watched it again to prepare for this episode. I own it. I've owned it for years. I've seen it probably three or four times. It was the best it's ever been this past time that I've watched it. Like it is really exciting and it and it plays with your emotions the whole time. Uh, you immediately feel like Michael Douglas, you know, he's pretty sleazy, you know, what he's doing, you know, his wife, very beautiful wife, you know, daughter, just look like they've got a great he's, family. He's got a good job. And he's weak. That's yes. another thing that kind of points out to me, I think, is he's he's so weak in the film. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know why Glenn Close likes him. But I think I think that makes the film stronger. Yes, it does. And then, you know, she is just great in this role. Like, she really steals the show, you know, for, for the most part. And you did. Like, I really paid attention to what you were talking about, where you start to feel sympathy for her. Because when she's arguing back with him whenever he's trying to end it and she's, you know, telling him, like, what do you mean? You know, what What do you mean? Why do you just get to decide like that it's over? You just, you know, come and use me for a weekend and then and then you just go back to your family and I'm left here with nothing. She's like, no, that's not, you know, I want to be with you. I want to continue to do stuff like we need to see each other. And she just it's just it's just really great. I think it was nominated for six, six Academy Awards as well. Very respected yep. movie, both with critics, with audiences. And again, it feels completely different than a movie like dress to kill and body heat for example that came out just a year apart they feel much more like one another whereas dress to kill is the sleazy version of body heat i feel because body heat is very respectably uh done but it still has that same look and same feel and in fatal attraction uh it really feels like the thriller you know this is it's edge of your seat make your palms sweaty uh type of movie so uh, if you haven't seen Fatal Attraction in a long time, aside from the very 80s style of the clothes and the looks and stuff like that, the story, I think, works Timeless. still today. Like, it is it is, a, it is a fun movie to watch. Well, another thing, Wes, real quick off of that, you make a good point about, you know, the different aspects about their relationship. But I read how Michael Douglas said that he gets more men coming up to him about this movie saying that you saved my marriage. And he's like, what do you mean I saved your marriage? He's like that fatal attraction, like him showing, I guess the movie showing the repercussions of infidelity and how it can impact not only you, but the other people like the other person and your family. He says that a lot of men come up now. It's kind of ridiculous. A movie has to make you think that, but still that I thought that was interesting that a movie can have that much of an impact on, on people. Um, but you watch this movie and you can see that. Well, guys, you guys had uh, some really deep, awesome movie insight with some critical things. So I'm just going to read my notes. All right. Does anybody think Michael Douglas's first wife is hotter than a second wife? Than the girl he cheats on him with? Yes. What is, the, what is that catch thing in the park that they're doing? <laughs> that was pretty bad. <laughs> Glenn yeah. Close staring at Michael Douglas while he sleeps really creeps me out. 
Michael Douglas, I think you have a stage one clinger. Hey, Kayla, if a girl slits her wrist on the second date, is that a red flag? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of run far. My next there are notice, a lot of red flags in this movie. <laughs> my next note is old elevators be scary. And then my next one was I knew in the category of things Gabe predicts early, I knew she was going to kill that bunny. And then That's my true. next note is the good thing about killing someone in a bathtub is less cleanup, right? And then. Oh. <laughs> Well, that went dark. Sorry. And then my next <laughs> note is, she looks crazy this whole movie, like the kind of chick that keeps a collection of her old boyfriend's hair. And then my last note is, you know, crazy like the kind of girl that has 13 cats and lets them all lick the roof of, roof of her mouth. And that's <laughs> all my notes. What? All right, Gabe. Uh, you, you had me going there for a while until the end there. Uh, a lot of good, uh... Don't read all of my notes. Just read Yeah, my usually notes. stop. Stop with about two left, I think. That's going forward but i do when, love the one about like where's her apartment at like i think it's the meat district of uh, yeah. new york but like that's what i was talking about earlier you've got the like air coming out of the sun like the the ground you got the weird elevator i got a thing i got a rule if you're meeting somebody for the first time and you have to get up to their apartment through this like chain linked elevator don't go situation. up there don't go up there <laughs> Gabe, I had I was gonna say I had another indication of whenever you should stop with your notes. Just watch Kayla's face. It'll tell you whenever you've gone too far. I cannot hide my emotions. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up watching you. You started out laughing and then you're like, oh. Mm, Ooh, mm. shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that cat licking thing on the roof of the mouth. That was one step too far. But Gabe, you know, overall, what what did you think? Had, had you seen Fatal Attraction before? Had you seen it recently? I'm, I'm audience. I'm going to save you the general wonderment. I had not seen any of the erotic thrillers except for Basic Instinct before, and so, but of the erotic thrillers, this was my second to favorite one because it does touch on a lot of like really serious topics, and maybe not in the best light, but, um. But I, I can see like different different things about this film that are really good. Glenn, mainly, I mean, in my opinion, Glenn Close and Michael Douglas knock it out of the park. So. Yep, they're they're both great. Yep, I think uh, I think overall, Fatal Attraction is, uh, my opinion, is the probably the best of the ones that we're talking about tonight. And so, uh, with that said, I think we're ready to head to nineteen ninety two. We've got our special guest here, Kayla, ready to lay down some basic instinct on us. So, Kayla, take it away. So we got 31 stab wounds. What was it? Ice pick. I'd like to speak to Miss Catherine Tremell, please. Is she a suspect? She's a writer. She published a novel. It's about a retired rock and roll star who gets murdered by his girlfriend. You know how she does the boyfriend? With an ice pick. She intended the book to be her alibi. You didn't feel anything for him, you just had sex with him for your book. In the beginning, he gave me a lot of pleasure. You like playing games? Games are fun. What's your new book about? A detective. He falls for the wrong woman. What happens? She kills him. All right. Well, in an attempt not to spoil the story 
which I don't know how I'm not going to do that. But I did a little synopsis that's meant to entice, all right? Basic Instinct is an erotic thriller about an author named Catherine Trammell. She's played by Sharon Stone. Her fictional murders seem to come true in her own life. A seemingly sexy and harmless woman of many talents, no one wants to believe this film is actually a film fatale. The uncanny synchronicities of the murders to her books draw the eye of a sexy detective, Nick Curran, played by Michael Douglas, who is responsible for determining if she is in fact the murderess. But he also gets sucked in by her feminine wiles like all the rest. Does he survive this Black Widow's web or will he become her next book? Find out. In the 1992 erotic thriller Basic Instinct, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> dun dun dun. That's awesome, Kayla. Can you go back and do that for all of ours? Yeah, that was spectacular. We, you were way better than us. <laughs> uh, well, now I'm gonna rip it apart. So buckle up. <laughs> all right. So I will admit the storyline was actually decent. It wasn't like I was bored or just completely grossed out. Like I was really enjoying watching it. Um, but I will complain and say that it was incredibly predictable. Like I was literally yelling at the detective, like, how can you not see who is doing this? The whole film. Um, Shooter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How can you not see it? Shooter. That was his nickname. I guess that would be his like bay name. Uh, she (laughs) called him that, but (laughs) You know, it's like he's this detective. You know he's got forensic capabilities. In several instances, they had the ice pick, which was the murder weapon. And you're telling me they couldn't get fingerprints? They couldn't get blood spatter? Nothing off of that to ID this person? Kayla, hey. I mean, this was 92. The O.J. Simpson trial was in, like, 95. And even by then, (laughs) they still hadn't got forensics... figured out very well so okay uh, you could just look at her face and tell <laughs> yeah you 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 could yeah SF, sfpd was just too concerned about like what was going on what did they say when they first went into that bedroom like they were like focused on they're like get the black light out that's a lot going on in that bed oh, like, yeah. they, were, <laughs> they do a lot of investigation <laughs> If you notice, it's true. Like their investigation was of her body, basically. I mean, there's an iconic scene, which I'm going to touch back on this at the end, but where they take her in for questioning and she literally spreads her legs to distract all of the detectives from what they're actually there to, to look into. And they're so just like enamored with her lady parts that they just forget that she could be a guilty person and it, they just kind of totally gloss over everything and they were sweating a lot in that scene <laughs> they were literally like wiping their forehead it's like have you never seen a woman before like what's I, happening I mean, I mean, come on just... come on now let's say that you and i were the detectives Catherine trammell comes in does that we would all we would be soaked in sweat. Soaked. We would forget. We'd be like, "What is she here for again?" You know, we just let her walk. You're free to go. I, I think that that's like why they put Newman in over there. her. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I think they put Newman in there on purpose because Newman can sweat on command, and he was like, really was profusely sweating. Newman. But, uh, joke so aside, that scene movie. is amazing. Just from a like a, I mean, it's iconic. But anyway, sorry. Of course, you'd say that. No, just from like, a, <laughs> I mean, like from a, just a that cinematic. Point five like, second clip is absolutely a stunningly shot clip. No, just from like watching it, from like a watching it perspective. 
Sorry, okay, well, let me let me let you in on this part. So a little behind the scenes fact. Uh, Sharon Stone actually had no idea that that was going to be in the movie the way that it was. Uh, the director, who is Paul Vorhoven, Vorho, I can't pronounce his name, sorry. Uh, he told her that they could see her underwear, so that she just needed to take her underwear off. And so she did that scene, and when they reviewed it on camera, it was dark. And so she couldn't see that you could actually see her lady bits. And when it aired in theaters, she said she was completely shocked. And she asked him to take it out. And he was like, no, no, you agreed to it. So screw that guy. <laughs> well, wow. what's crazy, Kayla, that's, I'm glad you brought that up, is that that's the like iconic sequence. And if that happened now, this movie would have been canceled on the first weekend. They would have pulled yep. it from theaters. Literally pulled yep. it. But. Because it's a different time and place, you know, it became a huge hit. It's, it's, it's kind yeah. of interesting that way. Where people listen to women, and even if she made us think about it, nobody would have believed her. Yeah. Now, I do find that Sharon Stone decided to recreate the scene. Now, I've never seen Basic Instinct 2, but I believe she recreates that scene again, if I'm not mistaken. Now, obviously, there's a difference whenever she's willingly knows about it and, and wants to do it. That's, of course, the difference. But at the same point in time, if she was, you know, so upset about doing it the first time, I, I think she probably shouldn't have done it again the second time. But uh, at the same point in time, yeah, it was pretty sleazy by Paul Verhoeven. But for for after seeing Showgirls, uh, which came out, I think next was maybe his next movie after this. Uh, you can kind of see why that might would have well, happened with him. Paul Verhoeven sleazy. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you get. <laughs> I mean, in Total um, Recall, one of the aliens has three boobs. I mean, that's his thing. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Taylor. That's a true story. Um, okay, so the movie operated, so the Sharon Stone's character, she's an author, and the kind of the idea is every single one of her books kind of predicts the next murder that's going to happen, and for some reason in the movie, they were like, these books are your alibi, and I'm like, how is this an alibi when it's clearly incriminating her? Detail for detail, she knew these murders, and you're not going to say, oh, well, then she's the murderer? Yeah, they're like... There's no way she would write it. That's just innocent. I have to say that. That's just, they keep saying you're going to use this as an alibi. I was like, I don't think they know what an alibi is. An alibi <laughs> is not describing the murder in detail. That doesn't mean you didn't do the murder. I was like, if anything, that probably means you did do the murder. I was like, exactly. I think they're using the, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. That's what I wanted to say to him. Well, Joe Esterhouse, who did the script, he's a total sleazebag himself. Like, not known for, he said he uh, wrote this in like a two week span, all coked up. So, I believe you, it. Uh, yeah. The, the <laughs> script and the plot is not its strong suits. Okay. So, let's, let's talk about the music. The music, you know, I think it was pretty typical for erotic thr- thriller, very dramatic. And I found it really funny that. The music climaxed when the people climaxed. (laughs) That's always a plus when you can have both do that. Hey, here's the thing about Paul Verhoeven. Also, we got to talk about real quick. He's not known for subtlety. Like he is right there. But here's the thing. I love the the music in Basic Instinct. I think it's fantastic. Like it is because it's a real there. And I I know you still got, I hate to jump in here real quick on this, but like, I think this is like the, the pinnacle of, of, 
erotic thrillers. And that music, I think, is the peak of when you think of like kind of what it's going for. That music is just so good. It was really good. Now, I do have to say, if anybody actually had sex the way they had sex, somebody would have broken something. (laughs) It was, uh, I don't know if they were like, I don't know what they were going for. It wasn't realistic at all. It was very, very jerky. And I don't know if it was just because everything was awkward or what, but I'm just like, did anybody actually get turned on watching that? Like, what was the purpose? It's not it really is not even erotic, actually. I don't think it's the opposite. Yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, I don't want uh, to. I don't want to do this ever. A lot of things exactly. I do I'm Kayla. I'm going to give you and our audience a challenge, real quick, okay? Because we're talking about you know this unrealistic sex scene. We're talking about Paul Verhoeven. Seriously, do yourself a favor. Whenever we're done recording tonight, pull up the pool scene. It's like five minutes long from showgirls (laughs) i I swear to god it is one of the funniest things i have ever seen she's flopping around like a fish you know it yes first take a couple shots i think you're gonna need to have a couple shots that need to be watched (laughs) so you've seen it it is it is utterly it's probably the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen put on camera Here's the thing about Paul Verhoeven. I think you, I've told you this, Wes. Like he's he he's on such a fine line when he's making movies. It's either going to be really good or really bad. And with Showgirls, it went really bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another thing about this movie, and I can't tell if I like it or I hate it. So I'll let you guys help me decide on that. But there's no reason for these murders. Like she's not getting money because she was only married to one of them. She's not getting revenge because none of them had done anything. She was talking about how great of lovers these dudes were. So really her only reason for murdering them was because she got something from it sexually, which is really rare because that's like a Ted Bundy kind of thing. That's serial killer, you know, sadistic serial killer kind of thing. So it's really, really rare to see a woman portrayed in that way. And I can't decide if I love it or hate it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love it. I think it's genius. I think, I, I, I mean. <laughs> Is that the basic instinct they were referring yes. to? That instinct to kill? Yes, instinct to kill. But I, I like that aspect that it turns it on its head. And you know what? How many movies have we watched where guys are killing people and you don't know why? You just kill. Well, he's just it's a serial so killer. Cool. It's, you know, I like that you don't really know why she's doing it. And I do kind of laugh that, like, they even try to make it a mystery. Like, did they not realize that you literally saw her like kill the guy in the very first scene? I know that, like who else is riding a guy like that? She, you know, it's like, I think it's so obvious, but anyway, but I do like concealed was her face. I mean, we knew what the rest of her body looked like. It was easy to identify. <laughs> unless, uh, unless he was having sex with another woman that looked identical to the main person in the movie. Like it, it's obviously her, but I love that aspect of the movie. I think the plot is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it, there's basically no plot to the movie. But I think that's all right. It's it's almost kind of like your movie, Wes, Dress to Kill. It's all style over substance. Mm-hmm. And the style is just really good. I will good. say it lands right into my what my wife is always saying, you know. You don't see you don't see girl serial killers out there. Just saying, you don't see them. They don't pop up out there. So this movie took that and put it on its head and Watch really creeped you out. Instinct. But uh, it is 
it is a fake movie, so she's still right. Yeah, the movie. <laughs> the movie is not actual real life. So the only I guess one I can is. think of is that Eileen that uh, Charlize Theron played in Monster. Oh yeah, that's true. That's one. Um, the other thing I want to say is, all right, Kayla, I don't know. Are we going to talk about Michael Douglas or can we do it here? We can talk about Michael Douglas. Oh yes. Like what? I mean, this is like peak Michael Douglas. Like he is on something in this movie. He yells so much. Like he is always yelling at people, like getting in their faces. I mean, he looks amazing. What about that V-neck? He shows up in that club. He's like 20 years older than everybody in that club. He don't give a shit. He just shows up in that V-neck. He's ready. He's ready. <laughs> what about that? What about that synchronized dance they also do in that club? I, that? I, I mean, I'm surprised you're not talking. I love that club. It only plays songs, techno songs that were rejected from Mortal Kombat. It's spectacular. Have you guys? That's a great club. Have you guys ever been in a club and you've seen people do that well of a synchronized dance? No, like that was awesome. <laughs> have we have we gushed over Michael Douglas enough, or or do we need to I keep going about him? I got one other thing to talk about Michael Douglas. Um, what about <laughs> first off? I love I that. I think that you're more I, attracted to Michael Douglas than Sharon yeah. Stone in this movie. Oh, this good. I think this is my favorite Michael Douglas performance. Like he is on something in this movie. I know he's supposed to be like coked up. I think he was coked up when he was acting in it. But another <laughs> thing is, first I already said this. I love that they call him Shooter. Like he does shoot people, so it's like Shooter. Like do you guys ever go around in the office and somebody's just like Shooter? He's like, hey, I haven't <laughs> killed people. Like. That's the thing. And then what about that scene where he like goes and like goes up into the um, uh, ID or was it uh, ID people and like they pull a gun on him. Did you notice that? <laughs> He's about to like they're like kind of wrestling around. The one guy like puts a gun in his face. Like, Come on, you're coming out of here. Like, do they just do that in police? They just pull guns on each other. Anyway, just want to bring that up. Um, speaking of Michael Douglas, do you think that's why, how he got Catherine Zeta-Jones? Do you think she saw this film and she was like, Absolutely. I want that man? Well, she saw him get out of that bed. He looks good for like 50 years old. Yeah. No lie. Um, Honestly, he's a nice butt. I'll give him that. Yeah. No, I mean, Kayla already said that. You know, this first scene and did something else for me. You know, I always wanted to go in my sleep and then that gave me another way that I could die. You know, I was like, I could also go that way and that'd be okay. <laughs> Being stabbed in the neck with an ice death. pick during climax? That looks awful, Gabe. <laughs> That's well, one of the most you know. big deaths I've ever seen in a movie. We're figuring out some weird stuff about Gabe tonight. Well, I mean, at least, never mind. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about the controversial <laughs> stuff, though, because there was certainly a bunch of it in this film. So. Unfortunately, this film did not age well. There were a lot of faux pas in it. Um, I feel like they were trying to sort of incorporate BDSM with the tying hands and, you know, some of the rougher sex scenes. But it was a major turnoff and a red flag for me when Beth, who is the therapist to the detective Nick Curran, he, she's also his former lover, and he basically meets up with her to have sex and takes out his frustrations on her, which ends up in him raping her. Like, she clearly says, stop, no, no, and he just keeps going. And after that, I didn't like him. Like, it was hard for me to root for him. I was kind of hoping he got stabbed in the neck with an ice pick, honestly. <laughs> honestly, 
That's a weird scene, and from what I read, that was controversial then. But I mean, obviously, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, that's the one scene that I find weird. I think I, I under I think what they were trying to go for is that like he's so like turned on by Catherine that like mm-hmm. he's pulling out his animal instincts. But I think they did it wrong with the scene. Yeah, because it clearly wasn't consensual. She was not having a good time. And, you know, nowadays there's such a big conversation around consent, which I'm thankful for. It just, it just, that didn't sit well with me. You know, there's also the issue of Roxy, who is Catherine Trammell's kind of side chick. I guess you could say she's kind of like the lesbian who stuck with it through all of it. And that's really all we know about her. She doesn't have a character arc. She doesn't have really a character. She's just there, I think, kind of for the shock value. Because back then, the LGBTQ community wasn't really accepted. So I think to put a lesbian in the movie, it was just kind of like an extra sex appeal attempt or something. And then she ends up being a psycho. Like, that's all that her character is. Kayla, I think that's a great point because that was another controversial aspect. This movie was boycotted by that by the LBGTQ community yeah. because of that. Because it's like, once again, you're gay, so that means you've got to be the the killer, that all the crazy. Yeah, person. she was an antagonist. But, yeah, and it's like we don't want always be reflected like that in movies, which I understand. So that was another instance where you know the movies kind of painted that picture of that. Yeah, and I mean, they also, for a long time, movies just kind of tend to sexualize homosexual relationships. There's not really, we don't get to see, like, why people are in love or even really see it represented as real love. So I think for the LGBTQ community, it was really disrespectful. I talked about, you know, the underwear scene or lack thereof (laughs) and the fact that he did not take it out. He didn't respect Sharon Stone enough to you know, hear what she was saying or show her the final cut before it aired in theaters. I just, I really hate that for her because I feel like no matter how much of a stink she made, nobody would have listened to her anyway. So she just kind of embraced it, which sucks for her. You know, that was, that yeah. was basically stink. They're like joking about like using rubbers. Remember they're like, yeah, next time I'll use a rubber, like at the height <laughs> of the age. But this movie is definitely... Would not be made these days. I mean, but that's, I think that's the Joe Essenhausen. Like, he's kind of a sleazebag himself. Um, Paul Verhoeven pushes the line. I think there's a lot of elements in the, the, it's kind of like one of those things, Kayla, like, you've got to have them to push the line in so many ways, which kind of makes the movie great. But also when you've got those type of things pushing the line, there's also going to be things that are, don't age well at all. And there's quite a few of that too. Yeah. Another thing I was going to say about that is that Sharon Stone was considered the most beautiful woman in the world at this time. I mean, she was, uh, and, and then, so, you know, like that Paul Verhoeven is thinking that he, you know, he got one over on her, over on her a little bit and he actually has her in her most intimate moments, you know, and he was like most beautiful woman in the world. I've got this shot. He's like, well, I will do anything to get this, you know, well, into his movie. Wes, to your point, here's the thing. It's still being talked about to this day. It was, yep. he probably knew, hey, this is going to make the movie. I don't care if she, like, he, whether, what, whatever happened with that, he probably knew this is going to make the movie. But also, I just wanted to make a, a, another point about Basic Instinct. I think Basic Instinct is when the genre flipped. Because we talked about how, like, mm-hmm. it became very male-centric, male, the male gaze. 
I think Basic Instinct is when that happened. And it kind of, while it was the pinnacle of Basic Instinct, it kind of le- it kind of almost foretold its doom in a way. Basic mm-hmm. Instinct, how it was made, it was it was never the the erotic thriller genre was never going to be better than Basic Instinct, I don't think. And I, I like so I listen to Bill Simmons a lot, and, and they did a rewatchables on this, and I like his story how he said he was like he was in college, and he went to watch it because it was on his radar. He said he went to a theater at like opening day at like two o'clock on a Friday, and he said it was only like twenty guys in the theater <laughs> all single all by themselves all sitting apart from each other and he's like he's like, he's like that was a really weird experience watching that movie but it kind of like opens your eyes like yep that's what happened to the erotic thriller it just became that mm-hmm. yeah and basic instinct was the fourth highest grossing movie that year in 1992 so i mean it still shows even though it wasn't number one like fatal attraction it was still really popular i mean to take that spot I, I thought it outperformed, even though it was number four. Did it not do more at the box office than Fatal Attraction? I thought it was like the number one box office. Um, I don't I know about that. that. I just up, saw that it, but it was the top four I can look it of nineteen ninety two. So, Kayla, we're sorry we subjected you to basic instinct, but overall, <laughs> what what just your closing thoughts on the movie? I felt like it was really good in a lot of ways and really bad in other ways. I probably would not watch it again. Uh, the only other one that I'm interested in seeing in this genre is Fatal Attraction. Just not my cup of tea, personally. But uh, I do think, you know, it it was kind of groundbreaking for what it was. Mm-hmm. No, definitely check out Fatal Attraction. And no joke, like, look look into Body Heat. I'm telling you, Body Heat is is a great, great movie. All right, Gabe, take us home. What did you bring for the audience tonight? We've come to the halfway point of our senior seminars. Our guests today come from the Blue Bay Police Department. Why don't we begin with a question? What is a sex crime? Not getting any. Welcome to the town of Blue Bay. Hi, Mr. Lombardo. Girls. So where's your hose, Mr. Lombardo? Where innocence can seduce. He started rubbing my shoulders. Accusations can destroy. I'm innocent. You guys do sex crimes, right? When was this that Sam Lombardo gave you the ride? Did Sam Lombardo rape you? Yeah, okay, he did. He pushed me to the floor. All right, guys. So, you know... I'm going to say Kayla really sold the crud out of her movie. She had that black widow analysis. It was spectacular. So I'm going to try to do the same thing for you guys. I really want to sell you guys on my movie. My movie is 1998's wild things. It had a budget of 20 million and it brought in 67.2 million and really was probably the last thing that popped before this whole thing fizzled out. Let me tell you, (laughs) let me, let me sell you guys on, let me sell you guys on some wild things here. Um, this movie's famous for the first, uh, critically or critically on air threesome. We've got the, the, un, you, the out of nowhere, Kevin Bacon, one and a half second penis shot, um, that you get to see when he gets out of the shower. It was very famous for that. Um, we've got everything in this. This is a thriller. It's a whodunit movie. It's, um, it's got 
uh, Bill Murray. It's got that guy from Something About Mary in a really serious sex scene. Um, Wild Things is a very different... uh, It's almost like... It's different from every other movie that we just talked about because it's almost making fun of the movies that we just watched, but not really. It's being serious in it, in my opinion, when you're watching it. Um, It's a story about uh, a high school guidance counselor right when you know we were you know when it was all when sex crimes were all coming out and he's talking to his class about sex crimes like what the different ones are and later on in the movie he gets accused of a rape but you don't actually see the rape happen and then the rest of the movie is is very different it it takes place in a courthouse then it takes place chasing down on what actually happened during that sequence what these what these girls have gone through It's kind of like a crime thriller, but I love it. It has several twists and turns throughout it. Um, I think it's a movie everybody should check out. When I was watching it last night, my wife was like, I love that movie. Um, What are your guys' thoughts? Have have any of you guys seen Wild Things from 1998? I always kind of think of Wild Things as like the erotic thriller genre got drunk, and then this (laughs) is what they made. So I, I'm not a huge fan of Wild Things. I actually watched it several weeks uh, back just to kind of prepare for the episode. I didn't remember it. I saw it when it came out on VHS in the late, in the late 90s. And, uh, of course, at that time, the, the, the famous pool scene is what was so enticing for, you know, high school age boys. Because Denise Richards, obviously, it, it one of the best, uh, most attractive females from that time period, from that late 90s. And then you've got Nev Campbell, who's, again, we always go back to Scream on this episode, but uh, are on this podcast. But you got Nev Campbell from from Scream. And, of course, a lot of people had a crush on her, and she was just kind of like the, the, the good girl in Scream. And then, you know, you see her uh, get a little risque, uh, in this movie, this is not a PG thirteen relationship. In this movie, no, it was this, not. No. This went all the way to R for you, Scream fans. Was that she in went every X, movie actually. in this time period? Like, was she was doing the craft? She was doing all the screams. How many was she just doing everything right now? She was one of the it girls then. You know, she was in Party of Five too, I believe, which was a famous TV show. So, yeah, she's doing all kinds of stuff, but. Yeah, I, I did like the the kind of the the who done it, and ultimately, I think it it plays out in a fun way. I mean, it's a fun movie. It's it's definitely not a boring watch. It is a it is goofy. Uh, I do love Bill Murray. I mean, in this movie, I mean he's he's good in anything. Like we could watch Bill Murray. He's probably at home right now just watching TV, and we could just watch him watch TV and laugh at Bill Murray. I mean, he's. He's great in just about everything that he does. So he's got some funny stuff in here as the is is the lawyer. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I can come and say that. Uh, hey, I recommend everybody go check out Wild Things. I think if you do, you're gonna be like, what? <laughs> what are they having me watch? <laughs> but you know, it's if you do, I think it's on maybe it's on Tubi or something. It was uh, I saw it for for free, and I was like, ah, I'm glad that was free. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good uh, uh, review, Wes. I think you're exactly right. This, and I gave. I think you made this point. Wild Things almost is like they they're parroting the genre in a way. 
like they're they're looking at the genre, looking at all the different aspects of it, and kind of like it's kind of like the end of the road for the erotic thriller, and that's why I'm glad you picked it because like after that, there's not a lot else. It kind of kills the genre in a way, and there was a lot of other reasons we touched on all that, but this is like the last one, especially from that male gaze perspective, because like you literally have like a threesome in it with the male high school teacher in it you got but but then it like twists it's on its head a lot it twists and turns it's not a very serious movie it doesn't really have serious themes anything like that it's really just kind of like a steamy florida set neo-noir thriller um it's not good i don't think i don't think anybody's ever gonna be like man that's a good movie i guess it's entertaining maybe that's the best way to put it like when I was watching it, so I'll give you my rating and then you guys can get into like a little bit more of it. When I was watching it, I was, I'd never seen any, any of these movies except Basic Instinct. I told you when I was watching it, I was like, is this a joke that's just not funny about itself or the act? Is this the real script? Is this like supposed to be a joke of the script? But like, I didn't know what was going on, but then the story is good enough to keep you entertained. So I would give this a five out of 10. I think you should watch it just for like, if you want to see wild things, but it's like the story's really good, but the acting is like, eh. and I kind of yeah. see why it's almost like a, it, it. It's kind of like one of those movies that would be on skin max, but like a better version of it, like yeah, better like, made better actors. It's got Bill Murray in it. Why the hell is Bill Murray in this movie? By the way, I don't <laughs> like, know what in the world How? is he, Apparently, it's really hard to get him in movies. I don't know if you all have ever read that. Like, it's really hard for him to commit, to get him to commit. It's really hard to get in contact with him, apparently. So, like, how they got him in this one is really weird. Like, he must have owed somebody a favor or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that, and I was going to say how this movie spawned four sequels is crazy. And to just to tell you the sequels, there's Wild Things 2, but then there's Wild Things, Diamond in the Rough, that was direct-to-video, and in case you wouldn't have guessed it, Wild Things Foursome came out in 2010, and that also was direct-to-video. Wow. They're like, what <laughs> I'm we- so surprised. Yeah. We got, well, we had a threesome in the first one. What can we, like, we got to go the next level. Foursome, anybody? <laughs> Those sound awful. Kayla, have we convinced you, do you want to watch Wild Things yet? No, I still stand by only wanting to see Fatal Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not a bad. Uh, that's not bad. That's not bad at... But Gabe, you said your wife. This is her favorite movie, so she does. She does really like the movie, and she likes the. Um, she likes movies like Clue, and there are a lot of plot twists in the movie, and that part is fun. That part of the movie is fun. That's true. That's true. Yeah, they don't just do, do like. A reveal, you know, it it keeps going several times over, and it it really just keeps going. It's like they were trying to one up one another. It's like, oh yeah, we showed you this. Oh, check this out. Oh, check well, this out. It's, and it, but the, it's it like they're de- good. They're kind of like deconstructing the genre in a way. Like that's what it almost makes me feel like. It's kind of like a meta commentary on the whole genre. That's why it's kind of like. It kind of there's nothing else after it. At least there hasn't been a long time. Like I said, I really do think. The, the genre is due for a uh, revival, but I think at that point in time, it was kind of done after that. Well, I think we're ready to put this episode to bed. 
so let's just go around real quick. Kayla, let's start with you, our special guest. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Just give us some closing thoughts on the erotic thriller genre and just uh, the episode that we just turned in. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I think the erotic thriller, while it was groundbreaking in a lot of ways, I don't think it should come back just because I don't know what it would be without some of those controversial topics that it got away with in the beginning. I'm not sure. Like, it's not like it had a lot of substance to begin with, but if you take away those things, you kind of remove anything that's left. <laughs> so I'm just not sure. I mean, I know that they're, they've tried to do it some with like Unforgettable and a couple of other films recently, and they were interesting, but they weren't anything to like oh, go watch this movie. You know, they weren't really making their rounds. So I'm just not sure that it should come back. I kind of took more of the stance of, uh, it was it, they're a little more dangerous to me than um, entertaining. Gotcha. Gabe? I, I'm going to go um, kind of the middle ground. I think erotic thrillers need to evolve. A lot of stuff is evolving. Evolve erotic thriller become a non-cancelable erotic thriller that everybody can <laughs> enjoy. Become a four-quadrant erotic thriller that families can go to enjoy. That's what we need to do. Tom. Families? I'm joking. <laughs> don't go the you family You might be room. comfortable watching erotic thrillers on the trampoline with your children, but I don't think that's the norm. <laughs> can you edit that out? Yeah, Gabe, I noticed you didn't uh, tell that story to the fans. Uh, can we edit that sector I out? That I didn't just say families. <laughs> okay, that's you said it. That's your honest opinion. We ain't editing it out. I didn't. I, sometimes I don't think before I speak, <laughs> and it gets me into a lot of trouble. Hey kids, come on in. We're watching Basic Instinct with the whole family. <laughs> He's about to be interrogated. <laughs> in fact, I wish I could take back that whole minute of things that I said. <laughs> come on, kids. <laughs> Well, I this think is we all I, know that you're joking. I was just teasing you back. This is where Michael Douglas has an affair with his wife. This yes. Is <laughs> <laughs> On the Happy left, you can see Sharon Stone's boobs. Yeah, sure. oh, Mike, Michael Douglas is back in this one, kids. I know. He's in a lot of them. He's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, those are my closing thoughts. All right. Well, I'll uh, since this was T Man's episode, I'll let I'll let him go last. Uh, you know this this is a this, to me this was a, a fun genre for for several movies. Again, I, I, ha I own Basic Instinct. I have Fatal Attraction. I have Dressed to Kill. I've got Body Heat. I've got several other ones. But you know, overall, these are these are ones that you know my wife and I have watched a couple of them together, and just you know we just kind of have fun with them and. And that's really all there is to it. I don't think this genre is never meant to be taken uh, real serious. You know, there's not a whole lot of, of uh, epiphanies that you have after watching these movies. They uh, a lot of times don't need any deep analysis. They just kind of are what they are on the, on the surface level. But just what an interesting genre, what an interesting uh, thing that we did as America just making these movies so popular it's pretty crazy but uh anyway yeah that's that's my my thoughts I gave the iceberg analogy earlier that's really what I think I mean it's mostly just junk it's it's just it's 
trash is really what it is in a lot of ways. But there are, again, there are some ones in there that I really enjoy. T-Man, take us home. Yeah, no, I, Wes, I think you're exactly right. There, There is a lot of trash in this genre. But, you know, sometimes trash can be entertaining. I think that's really ultimately what this genre is about. You know, there are a lot of themes, especially maybe in the, the best ones like Fatal Attraction, but a lot of them, they're just kind of there for entertainment. At the same time, I think Kayla is right also. You know, there's a lot of problematic elements in these movies when you rewatch them. But at the same time, I always kind of look at them with, a, with kind of that perspective of you're watching it from that time period. So I, I can kind of see that. But then at the same time, I, I like to watch movies like that because I, it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's a, it's a good thought provoking. It's like, Oh, did you see like basic instinct had all these elements? You can kind of discuss it. And from like a film perspective, I think they're really interesting to kind of dive into talk about and also rewatch. I like, plus they kind of have the foundational elements that we all love in movies. Like we talked about, it's got the sex, it's got the, the violence. It's got, you know, really dark plotting. It's got all those things that we all love. Um, so I think, I really do think, I know Kayla doesn't think this, but we're going to have a friendly bet here <laughs> I think for a revival. Kayla doesn't. We're going to see who wins here. I'm hoping I'm right. Um, I really think you'll need to do a poll. Yeah. We're going to have to have a poll here, Wes, and see who, what people think. I really think it's going to come back with a vengeance. I think people are ready for an erotic thriller. Um, I love the genre. I, I hope we have more good ones. Like, I don't want to see crappy ones, but I do hope we see better ones out in the future. Um, so I really love the genre. I had a, such a, a fun time with this episode. I really hope people check out some of these movies we talked about, especially if you haven't seen them. So I think there's a lot there to kind of filter through and watch about them and just kind of view them from the time they were created. They're kind of like a time capsule. Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, those could have been only made in those time periods, right then in America. And I think they're really interesting to watch and kind of see what was going on in America. Like I said, they're a time capsule in a lot of ways. So I hope people do check those out. And as uh, Gabe talked about, you know, they're family friendly. You know, you get the whole family around, bring the kids in, get the popcorn, get the butter, get the coke. <laughs> Basic instinct. Hey, kids. Oh, yeah, that's where Sharon Stone's riding her boyfriend. He's an agent rocker. He's all coked up. Yeah. Oh, he's dead now. She stabbed him a hundred times. Oh, kids, don't close your eyes. This is family friendly, I swear. So, I think that's what we're all going to do over the weekend. Gabe, I'll come over and we'll have a family friendly time. <laughs> Gabe, oh, what, how, how did your kids get taken away? I I don't know. We did this erotic thriller episode. It was. <laughs> I said. Something. I know you I didn't did. let them watch it. It just. It was I'm so crying, funny. laughing. This is the first time I've ever cried laughing during the show. <laughs> you can leave it in. Well, on that note, Kayla, thank you so much for coming back and being with us. We know for sure this will be your last time wanting to come on the show. We know that yes. for a fact. But <laughs> Do thank it out. you so much for being here tonight. Uh, Next time, we'll thank be you like, for hey, you like the genre you're coming on for? <laughs> yeah, she'll ask a lot more questions this time. But, Kayla, no, one more time for the audience, just any of them that are still with us here, just plug your show one more time. Let them know where they can find it. You guys can find me just by searching Strikes My Fancy Podcast uh, into Google or your preferred podcasting platform. Or you can listen on my website, Strikes My Fancy Podcast at Podbean. No, sorry. <laughs> can you edit this? I sure Strikes will. I'll edit 
strikesmyfancy.podbean.com. There you go. <laughs> All right, audience. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. A couple things we're going to ask you to do to support our show. A big thing you can do to help grow our show is subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Anytime we release a new episode, it'll download to your library and it'll be waiting for you. If you get an opportunity, leave us a rating or review on that platform as well. We'd love to hear from you. Here's how you can connect with Real Talk. We're on social media. Come over and join our Real Talk, a movie podcast Facebook page. We've really been putting a lot of effort into that page. Uh, it, the group is growing from last episode to this episode, we have like 40 new members. Uh, it's a lot of fun interacting with people on there. Uh, so come Facebook, Real Talk, a movie podcast page. We're on Twitter at Real, R-E-E-L underscore cast. We've got a brand new Instagram page, uh, official Real Talk podcast ran by friend of the show, Ren Burnett. Our email, as always, is realtalkmoviecast altogether at gmail.com. And finally, we want to thank artist Matthew Holland for designing our podcast logo. And for us, that's a wrap.